0: Welcome to the Wealth Time Freedom Podcast, where we decode the psychology of money, uncover the principles of personal finance, and learn how to put them into practice. This is all about escaping the rat race so we can win the game of life. It's personal finance, but with a big old dollop of personal development. If you're looking for answers, looking for motivation, or looking for help, you're in the right place. Our mission for this channel is to help you get as far as you can on your own, and then if you want to go further and faster, we can help with that too. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Passive Income Project. It's Terry here. Ryan, mate, we've had a little hiatus.
1: Are you refreshed? Mate, I needed one after the crypto series. So (laughs) it's good to have a little break and it's good to listen to you have a good conversation with Sam Wilson last episode too. Yeah. Uh, But feeling refreshed. Read it out. Yeah, no, I needed a bit of a break too, but it
0: was great to chat to Sam. And something we discussed after her episode was the value of sitting down and really getting clear on what you're trying to accomplish and the impact that had for her. So we decided to put together a bit of an episode that really just details our process on how we do that. So this is all about how do you achieve your financial goals, even if you're not the kind of person that likes to set financial goals. So I'm looking forward to sort of digging in,
1: getting underneath, giving you a bit of an insight into our process. And what we're really going to dig into is Why most people aren't motivated by money and kind of really surface, I guess, the untapped power that most money experts ignore. And I guess also for us, you know, how do you calibrate your internal guidance systems so that achievement becomes a whole lot easier? And I've got no doubt knowing from, you know, my own experiences around this, but also, you know, having worked with a lot of our members around this is on the other side of this comes a lot of energy and a lot of optimism and it just makes things a whole lot easier as well when it comes to money. I think when you do this well, it hugely reduces. I know that's a bit oxymoron,
0: but it reduces your financial stress. It's because I think when you're unclear on what your priorities are, then everything matters. But when you get very clear on what your priorities are and you're very sure of what you want, it makes it very, very easy for you to say yes or no to something. And that's, that is an immense relief for people,
1: isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a really good time to highlight that People think that they should know. They think that they should know what they want. And if someone asks you the question, what do you want? I ask this to people sometimes and I go, what do you want? And I know that that's the hardest question to answer. (laughs) Very, very few people can answer that question. And a lot of this episode is going to be about how do we actually kind of go about answering a difficult question? Mm. You know, what's the kind of the process and you know, how do we do that in a way that makes sure that you come out the other side with a lot of confidence in one that you can achieve it, but also to that you've got the conviction that you need to make financial decisions to be able to make big money moves that move the needle forward for you. That's the biggest thing I think with this is when you are very clear on what you're going for, what you want
0: it makes it so much easier for you to make these big money moves knowing that, yes, this is going to get me closer to that or no, it's not going to. And what I find really interesting, and I say this a lot in this first session is, you know, good financial decisions aren't made in spreadsheets. Spreadsheets <laughs> are more confirming and validating what you really need to know, which is does this decision get me closer to the future I'm working towards or not? And I don't know about you, but I love this part of the process because you literally see people transform from one version of selves to another once they get clear on what it is they really want. I'm reminded of Digby and Anya. Shout out to you guys. that have recently started with us in the program. And you know they come into this first session and a lot of trepidation, a bit of uncertainty, very normal, very natural. And uh, I was talking to Digby last week and he said, but I can't believe the change that I'm seeing in us as a couple and also my partner. Like we're just so much more energized by what's happening in our life. We've got so many more plans, we've got so much more to look forward to because of this conversation, because of this actual process of doing it this
1: way. Yeah, it never ceases to amaze me how quickly people start to act and start doing the things that maybe they already knew they needed to do or find the right answers and find the right things to be doing, but how quickly they start creating motion and movement and momentum towards, you know, what that looks like. Mm. And The other part of it is also like, there always tends to be like this sense of relief by finally being able to answer that question as well. Because it's Mm. like not knowing what you're working towards is actually quite a taxing thing, because like you said, you are kind of just paying attention to everything, not just the things that will help serve you and kind of become vehicles to help you move towards it. Mm. And so, yeah, it's it's a powerful place to start when it comes to money, that's for sure.
0: Well, let's, before we get into exactly how we do this and the different components, the art and the science of this. Let's talk about where this comes from. Do you want to talk about our early days, how we got together, how we sort of started to think
1: about how to use this process in what we're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Like really, if you went right back to the beginning of it, I was working in an advice business. I know people have kind of talked about this story before and people are aware of it. But, you know, it was very much, I was always looking for new ways to kind of engage people with their money, how to kind of motivate them and get them to become consistent and disciplined with what they were doing. And we had you come and present to the advice business at that time. And it was really about kind of talking through a framework about how to, I guess, align people's focuses and energies towards achieving their objectives and how to kind of create a lot of meaning around it. And that was really good. Yeah, it was all well and great, but there was a lot of rigidity that existed in that industry, which made it really hard to get this right. And so it was a hard one because it was so obvious the things that worked and the things that moved the needle, but it wasn't the traditional way of doing things. So it didn't fit in the box. It was a square a square peg in a round hole. And so it was something that I actually had to take away from work mode and do in my personal life. So I actually went to my parents and decided to use this as a basis of a conversation with them because I've been stuck on a couple of decisions. There was a bit of uh, sunk cost fallacy falling into a couple of investments they'd made and those just moves that they needed to make to get themselves unstuck and as I said I use that as the base of the conversation and then literally by the end of that week like a few days later they'd come back to me and they're like all right we've done this 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 and this They <laughs> put a property on the market there's already two buyers that had come to them like all these things that had happened really fast and um yeah it just it kind of just shocked me a little bit that someone can go from so stuck and kind of sitting on something for three, probably five years actually, and then all of a sudden they're unstuck and moving forward and, yeah, you, know, you project forty a year, you project forward a few years and you get to see the results of those changes stacking up and those moves that they made were great moves. If they hadn't made them, there would have been a huge opportunity cost mm. essentially. Mm. And so... Yeah, like seeing that and seeing the impact of how fast it moves a needle. For me, it just heightened that desire to have more freedom in doing what works mm. instead of just following those compliance checklists. <laughs> and um, yeah, and you, you know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> Obviously, that was a great experience with, with my parents and seeing them move and them kind of going through that process, even with someone that they know, someone so close to them, but the process still being the basis that kind of moves the needle because I knew it wasn't me. I knew it was the realizations they had throughout that, you know, and that made me want to explore that more. So, you know, I, I did it with a couple other people. Uh, I remember another one was with a friend, uh, Roy, who, um, I just remember he said to me during that process, during that session, he's like, fuck man, I've got tingles. Mm. Like <laughs> it was, it was this big kind of shock to the system. And, um, a big part of that was about, uh, his, his fighting. He's wanted to get into fighting and kind of move away from his, uh, his trade. And, um, yeah, he's about to go pro. And it was just like, I remember in that moment, having that conversation where there was just that much energy within him that kind of just, you know, enough to kind of say, you know, the, the hairs are standing up on the back of his neck that in that moment I was like, yeah, fuck, it, it sounds like you're going to go pro. <laughs> it's <laughs> four years later now. yeah uh, And that it's kind of becoming true. yeah But it's just kind of your sense when that change happens for somebody where they go, oh fuck, all right, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. Now, anything that doesn't serve me getting there is waste. It's something that's slowing me down. Do you know what I find really interesting about this too is
0: like your mate, he was going to work hard regardless. It's whether that work was working towards something he wanted or not. So the only difference is not whether you went to work or not or did anything or not. It's the kind of work that was done in that period to achieve those things. It's about channeling that effort in the right
1: direction. So you get what you want, isn't it? Yeah. And also just having the conviction to make the decisions that unplug the effort because he'd been working really hard, but his decision was around, do I leave my trade? Like this was a big decision he we was stuck on, leave my trade to work in the gym where I can train as well. Mm. Or do I need to just keep doing what I'm doing, make sure that's right. And then just fit this in on the outside. And it was a decision that had been hampering for six months, Mm. you know, straight off the back of that was like, all right, yeah, that's an easy decision. Mm. And so as soon as you do that, it's, yeah, you make some of those decisions that unplug the energy that's locked up in other parts or other uh, areas or other kind of stuck domains, essentially. It means you free up more for the things that are actually uh, a part of that vehicle that moves you forward. And we've said it before, every decision
0: is an act of creation. It is a a choice between two different branching pathways into the future and so if you can calibrate more of those decisions in a way that moves you towards the future you want you're probably going to get what you want (laughs) so if you miss this part and you don't calibrate those decisions the right way you could work hard and you could be making what seems like sound decisions maybe you're like optimizing everything in a spreadsheet you're still worried about like why am I not where I want to be it's probably because you missed this part isn't it
1: yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, after doing that with a couple of people that were close to me, you know, it was very much a center of conversation for us, which yeah. was like how do you bring this to everybody in a way that allows them to kind of attach a lot of meaning to money yeah. and start to make the the changes or the, you know, the the moves or the just the commitment to the plan of action so that they can unplug themselves yeah. and and get what they want. And now that we've done this with, you know, hundreds of people, countless Aussies across Australia, you know, it just becomes a major point of difference for us uh, and what we do because yeah, as you said, most people skip over this. What I'm keen to dig into is I guess the ingredients behind this because you did a lot of the work originally to kind of piece together the most important parts to this. Why does it work?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. When I started getting more interested in money and finance. I just saw this big disconnect moving from the world of sport and where people are, you know, you're accomplishing big things they're, they're working hard for long periods of time, achieving their potential. And, and I move into money and it just struck me that this whole arena was devoid of emotion and actually emotions, the enemy. Like I'm, I'm reminded of this quote from Buffett, don't expect to manage your money if you can't manage your emotions and like so many things in money. I reckon that's true, but it's not the truth. There's an irony in this comment, I reckon. Warren Buffett bought his company, Berkshire Hathaway. Do you want to know why he bought it? He bought it because he was pissed that he got shortchanged on an offer to sell his shares back to that company. The emotional decision to buy that company, buy more shares, is actually what he did after that. He bought them out, took it over, and he's turned it into now a $520 billion company, the most famed investment company in the world. So... The point is, like, you can't avoid your emotions. Your emotions are going to come into play. The question is, are your emotions working for you or are they working against you? And so the whole realization for me coming into money is like, you guys are ignoring emotions. And emotions are the superpower that we need to tap into. It's literally like a nuclear energy. It's this very crisp, very efficient source of energy. And if you know how to tap into it, you can power amazing things. Amazing things can happen. But they've been separated. It's almost like you've got to, you know, set all that aside. And my thing is, you don't achieve anything without emotion. I mean, even the word emotion itself, what does it mean? It means energy in motion. So if you're trying to engage people with money and you're ignoring emotion, that might be a reason why. And like, you just look around, you know, when anyone achieves anything of merit, it always comes from a base of emotion some powerful emotion that's caused somebody to do something that they otherwise wouldn't have done, that's pushed them out of their comfort zone. Like Jordan, you know, he's the, he's the classic one, gets cut from his high school basketball team and then decides to become the greatest player of all time. Decides in that moment, that's, that's, that's going to happen. Tom Brady, I don't know if you know Tom Brady, if you're a listener, but the greatest quarterback, the greatest American football player of all time, gets drafted, I think it was 186. As a quarterback, that's very rare. Goes to the Patriots' sort of introductory dinner, meets the president or one of the owners of the team, I think it was, and the owner says, he introduces himself to the owner and the owner says, oh, that's right, you're our 186 quarterback, which is kind of like, it's amazing that a quarterback gets picked that late. You must be shit. <laughs> and so he said to the owner in that moment, yep, and I'm the best investment this organization's ever made. Nobody's won more Super Bowls than Tom Brady. So there's something going on here with emotion that you can't ignore when you think
1: about achievement. Yeah. Another one that makes me think of is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was the first female appointed to the Supreme Court in the US. I watched the movie a couple of months ago. <laughs> it's fresh in recall. And um, just the story of basically her being the first woman to go to Harvard Law School. And basically they just said, you know, why are you here taking up spots mm. for people wanting to become lawyers and make something of themselves just because she was a woman. I remember that scene, actually. The
0: dean gets like there was a handful of females in that kind of school and he's like, oh, come over to my place, let's have dinner. And then he sits them down and says, what are you all doing here,
1: taking up spots? (laughs) What a slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. But it's those things that just kind of ignite a flame. Yeah. They ignite a fire. And, you know, even just on a more subtle basis, I know for me personally, Sometimes you need to tap into those energy sources. Something I just picked up on only in the last uh, probably 6 to 12 months was in football a couple of years ago. We lost the grand final on the last kick of the game. And ever since then, I've just become super disciplined in my training. Like most days, most mornings, I'll get to the gym and at least get in a 20, 30-minute workout. And it's not that I actually stew on that loss uh, because it didn't actually affect me a whole lot. But it was more that I've now got an energy source that I can tap into when I'm not feeling motivated, Mm. when I can't be bothered doing some training. I go, oh, yeah, what will this help me uh, achieve? Mm. And what does this help me avoid in the future? And part of that was like, oh, yeah, I just want to make sure I'm in great nick so that if I'm in those situations again, I can be in a physical state that allows me to do what I need to do. Mm. Mm. And there's always some of those moments or some of those uh, memories that you can build up to tap into mm. as an energy source, which we'll dive into more in a minute, won't we? Mate, going back to the
0: start, going back to the first episode when I talked about you know why I got interested in money, it came from a place of very strong emotion. You might remember I talked about walking into that room, having my job changed on me, feeling controlled, manipulated, and kind of discounted and not having any choice in that moment. It was the emotion of never wanting to feel that again that allowed me to think about, What do I want? What is it I really want? And what's very important to me right now? And Mm. so it's your ability to tap into that. Even if you don't think you're an emotional person, I promise you, you are. You're probably just more suppressing it than others. And you've probably got more to gain if that's the case. Because when you do dig down and you can get to it, I tell you what, there's some strong stuff there. And if you know how to harness it
1: and point in the right direction, amazing things can happen. How do you tap into it? So you said it's like a nuclear source of energy. Yeah, it can power and fuel you to get you to where you want to go. Yeah. Obviously, if you do it in the wrong way, then it becomes something that, you know, when it spills, it creates a bit of a mess Mm. and uh, that's not what you want. How do you tap into it in a way that helps fuel energy without misusing it? Yeah, that's a good point. So
0: it's such a strong thing. But if you think about it and you decode it, like what happens in these moments of strong emotion is you you create a different vision for the future. I got very clear on what I wanted because I knew now what I really did not want. And so mm-hmm. you don't have to wait for these peak moments or these troughs in your life to happen for you to be able to tap into that. You can artificially create it under the right conditions. And it's all about creating this compelling vision. So a lot of people start, and this is where it was with financial advice, you know, let's sit down and, and let's, Let's work out your goals. Your goals, that's all about your head. But you need to tap into the power of your heart the way you feel first. Heart first, then head. And so the vision is what you really need to think about. If you think about the life you live right now, the things you enjoy, what you've accomplished already, you will actually see that it's something you envisioned. You know, Mm. we're using a tool right now. That somebody envisioned. you can't create a future that you haven't imagined so if you ignore the imagination part then you've only got logic and that's why you're not engaged with money (laughs) because logic is inherently not motivating it's not wrong it's just not enough yeah so that's the biggest thing And, and to your point earlier when you do this right you're actually giving money a bigger job to play you're you're attaching a lot more meaning to money those two things are now closer together your life and your money were separate And now they come closer together. And now you start to see that money's not a chore that you have to tick off. Money is a vehicle for realizing that vision that you have for yourself, for your future. This is where magic happens.
1: Mm. I think the extension of that is also that, you know, so many of our decisions that we're making is while we're on autopilot. And it's not you consciously, logically, rationally thinking through what to do next at every given point and every moment. It usually comes from something that's kind of baked into your nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's your body, your gut feeling that kind of points you and nudges you and course corrects you over time. Mm. And what you're kind of saying there with the vision is make sure that you use that vision to calibrate your nervous system in a way that helps nudge you in the right direction. helps you course correct to somewhere that you want to go, somewhere that you've imagined, somewhere somewhere that you've designed in your mind before. Mm. You don't want to leave that by chance. And I always hear people say when I ask them around how often you kind of sit down and map out what it is you want to create in the future. They go, Oh yeah, I've got lots of thoughts in my head around this. Yeah. Yeah. We have lots of conversations with my partner. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's something that's, we're always doing. It's not that we don't do it. It's purely that we don't intentionally design it Mm -hmm. and piece Mm -hmm. it together in a way that is exactly what we want. And it's in balance. You know, there's all the, I guess the different areas of your life that kind of work together to create, uh, an experience. It gives you the emotional reality that you're seeking.
0: I just want to dig into one thing you said there. I think it's a great insight, is you're making all these decisions all the time. Your life is a river and it's you're coming up against all these decisions. And you're making them most of your decisions are happening below the conscious level of awareness. So when we talk about goals, we don't work our way to the goal. We wayfind our way there. It's wayfinding. And so mm. without a compelling vision, you don't have a North Star to guide those decisions. You don't have a North Star mm. to be able to wayfind correctly. And so you're stuck in the spreadsheet and you're wondering why you're not getting anywhere. It's because you're not wayfinding anywhere. You're just optimizing for this decision right now, but it doesn't link to the next one. And they're not getting you closer, course correcting you towards that
1: destination that you designed consciously as you're, in your words. Yep, yep. And so like what I'd probably say is if you find yourself focusing on money itself, learning about money, and kind of getting into the tactics and the tools and all of that stuff. But that vision is foggy. Then, you know, you haven't really put money in its place. The purpose that money needs to serve is to underwrite the vision that you have mm, mm. or what you want to have and what you want to experience in the future. It's not just money. It's about what money does. I think the, the
0: important thing to note here is that what we're saying is, like, let's put money in its place. Don't start with money. Money is just the means to the end. Let's start with the end. What is money for? And then go into figuring out what to do with the money. If you if you miss that, it's going to be very hard for you to
1: actually, yeah, like I said before, integrate your your decisions and actually have them get you somewhere. And take that vision out of your mind and put it onto paper. Get that out onto something else so that it becomes a reference point for you to point back to and kind of assess decisions, assess the actions and go, is it pushing me towards that or is it not? It's got to be something that's made a little bit more concrete. Exactly. Tangible. exactly. And so how do we do this? How do you create that vision? Yeah, I reckon there's four
0: steps to this. Um, the first one is that you want to go from the abstract to the concrete. So yes, we want to engage the heart, but we've got to also make it clear enough in your mind so that you can see you've got all your senses are engaged with what this future world looks like for you. So if it's too Mm. abstract and it's too high a level, it's not engaging in any way. So usually we start at that superficial level. You'll say something like, oh, I just love more flexibility of my time. Okay. But what does Mm. that mean? Like, how would you know you've got that flexibility of time? Well, it means that I can wake up anytime I want. It means that I'm going to the gym at 11 o'clock in the day, not 9.30 PM at night. Mm. It means that I'm taking time off work to go and watch my kids swim. Those are markers. That you've now got sort of milestones in your mind. It's helping you connect on a much more visual level. Because remember, we're talking about a vision. You need to be able to see
1: it. Yeah. How does it work for you? What, like, How do you do this part? Exactly like that. It's basically, you start with the ideas. Like you said, it might be that you want flexibility or you want a new home, mm. but then you want to be able to step into those ideas and pull out the sensory information that exists in your mind about that. Like mm. you said, engage the senses. And sometimes, you know, it's just pulling out the clues. So those little clues, like you mentioned, you know, now I can go to the gym at 11.30 or you know, I'm walking in the front door and I see this mm-hmm. or whatever that might be and really kind of pulling those things out because that's where a lot of the weight, that's a, where a lot of the power is, uh, where we find the meaning within that. And so the idea, like you said, stays superficial. It's when you step into it and pull out the sensory information, the meaning that's attached with that, that it becomes something a lot more powerful for you. I found myself in one of these sessions about a month ago And I started planning a wedding with a couple (laughs) because
0: they said, (laughs) we want to have a great wedding. I was like, well, let's understand what that means. And we went way down the level of depth we went to. And I could say, all right, walk me through this wedding. Who is there? What are they talking about? What's the smell in the air? What does it feel like when you walk down the aisle? That is the level of connection you need to it. And at the end of this session, they're like, dude, you should be a wedding planner. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, no, this is kind of applies to all of it, but,
1: um, it is, it does take a bit of time, but damn, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So step one, go from abstract to concrete. What's the next step? So the next step is we've got
0: to get underneath what we just described to find the feeling. What is it about? What is the state? What is the experience, the internal experience that we are after? And we need to be able to put words to that experience because when we talk about a North Star... All the material stuff we talk about trying to accomplish and achieve, they are all just vehicles, ways and means for us to feel a certain way. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to highlight that, put a name on it and say, this is how I want to be and this is how I want to feel. Because that is rock solid. So if I go back to my story, how did I feel in that moment, right? I felt when I walked into this room, I get told your job has changed. You don't have any say in the matter. Just do what you're told. I felt controlled, manipulated, and basically helpless. So how do I want to feel? I want to feel like I'm in control. I am self-reliant, and I choose what I do with my life. Now I had that very clear vision. I, I could tap into that emotion very, very quickly, very easily because of that. And so if you ask the right questions, you go from the abstract to concrete, you really define what this looks like, then you get underneath it and you say, and if all of that were true, what would that do for you? And people will give you the feeling, the state that they really, really want. And that there is your North Star. So we talked before about decisions and having control, conviction, confidence in your decisions. That's the most important thing you can
1: understand about yourself to make a good financial decision, isn't it? Yeah. So really getting into like what's the emotional association with the things that are real in the physical world around you and those connections and relationships. Yeah. Super powerful. Third step. What's that? So now we've got to uncover
0: the deeper drivers, right? So when we talk about the find the feeling, that's the state you want to, you want to feel. But what is driving you toward that state? What's pushing you to want that? That's very mm. important to tap into. This is more like what I call away from energy. So you've got toward energy. You start with that. You're like, what is the compelling future that's pulling me toward it? And then this is more tapping into what's the away from energy. And so mm. you start digging into sentences like, well, I feel like time's running out for me. I feel like I've got a window of opportunity right now that if I don't capitalize on it, I'm going to regret this in the next five years. And it's that, that kind of statement. These are conversations we're having with ourselves internally at a subconscious level. We don't articulate, but we, we kind of ask questions. We use motivated interviewing in a way where it kind of it draws this part out. And when people do understand it, we say, well, this is very powerful for you to understand because this is what's pushing you. And when things get a little bit rough, when you deal with the challenge that comes with change, tap into these forces because they can really help you.
1: Yeah. Which is exactly what I alluded to before. Like having things that you call on that are a source of energy that make you go, well, no, I don't want that. So I'm going to work towards this. I'm going to do these things. So what was it for you when you think about that last kick
0: grand final? What's the thing that's pushing you?
1: Yeah. So something specific within that. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was starting to cramp in my hamstrings in the third quarter. Yeah. And this is at the end of a season where you're kind of at peak conditioning, if you like. Yeah. And I could only play for about three minutes at a time because my hamstrings were starting to cramp up. Yeah. It was obviously, it wasn't a conditioning thing. It was more a mobility thing and hips and stuff like that. But I felt like I couldn't influence because I felt physically hamstrung, Mm. basically. Mm. And so it was something where you go, oh, yeah, Next time it comes around, I'll just make sure that, you know, I'm doing those things, the mobility things, as well as just a lot more conditioning to make sure that, you know, the mobility kind of holds in Mm. those moments as well. Mm. So that when it comes to a pinnacle point, you're there. Mm. Mm. You're able to get there and do what you need to do. So if I'm reading
0: between the lines there you're saying, I don't want to be the reason we don't actually achieve what we're capable of. Yep. A powerful one I heard a couple of weeks ago was, um, I want a better future for my kids than I had. Yeah. Yeah. I want more choices for them than
1: we're having to deal with now. You're making mine sound very superficial there. <laughs> 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 there's no judgment here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's obviously different levels of intensity for different things in your life. Yeah. And, you know, I just purely use that from an exercise standpoint. There's other ones that are huge drivers for this business. Yeah. And for you, for, you know, like you said, around money and yeah. everyone kind of has something that you can call upon something that isn't quite fitting right now, something that's causing some level of discontent or, or suffering on different levels, that it's kind of, like you said before, it's kind of unconscious and you haven't verbalized, meaning that it's actually just causing irritation. Mm. But once you do verbalize those things and you bring them to the conscious level of awareness and you articulate them, you verbalize them, you understand it, then it just becomes an energy source. Yeah. Instead of it kind of internally consuming you you're starting to use it as a tool, as a mechanism, and so I think I asked that question to you before, like how do you take it from something that could be a, I guess, a poor form of energy into something that's, nu- you know, nuclear, controlled. It's constructive. Yeah, yeah, constructive. And I think that's probably it, isn't it? Like, yeah, it being a conscious choice to use it as yeah. opposed to this something that exists within that you haven't really surfaced, that is just irritating and and causing you know different levels of discontent.
0: That is a really great point because there are a lot of people who are unaware of these drivers and they are run by them and they trample everyone and everything in the way on their path towards trying to accomplish whatever it is. So they can do amazing things, but the way they do it is very unconscious. You know, you see narcissistic leaders like this all the time. So you hear about like Steve Jobs of Mark 1. What's driving Steve Jobs Mark 1? Well, I want to be special. My dad left me when I was young. And so, I want to be a kind of special person that everybody knows. Everybody knows who I am. And so, Mm. you can see if you study Steve Jobs that, you know, before he became Steve Jobs Mark II and actually became a bit more self-aware of what was going on, what was driving him, he kind of drove himself to destruction. And everybody around him was collateral as well. And so, I think that's a really, really important point to make because if you are not understanding these drivers, they can absolutely run you and they can run Mm. you into a place and a position that you don't want to be in.
1: Mm. Mm, yeah, I think that's a huge one. If you think about the people that don't surface those things and they let them run them over time, who do you picture? You picture that bitter, <laughs> resentful person that never really gave them, or never really, that never really gave it a shot yep. and now looks back and kind of projects that onto other people. Mm. And now this brings us to the last step. What's that last step? Yeah. So the first thing is just understand that if you don't get on top of this, then you end up
0: becoming that version of yourself. But even more importantly, there's kind of an acknowledgement that has to happen that there are windows in your life that open and shut different phases of your life. And once they shut, they're gone. Like there's a version of me that wanted to backpack Europe that's dead. That's dead and buried. There's no version of me that's backpacking Europe unless I have some kind of midlife crisis. And so there (laughs) are opportunities and experiences that are available to you right now that will go away because... Your time is going to decline as as you age, and then it'll go back up again. But your money will accumulate. Your health will decline as well. And so, you understanding where you are right now, what's available to you, is very important because then you can say, "Well, if I don't do this now, I will never be able to do it." Mm. And mm. that's what creates a real sense of urgency as well around, "Well, let's get going. Let's get going. Let's get this. Let's get this happening." I think that's a very powerful part.
1: And again, like I said earlier, it's like artificially irritating yourself to a point of wanting to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of referenced that a few times of, you know, you don't change till the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same. Yeah. And sometimes you do have to use that as a mechanism to, to force yourself to do the next thing that you know is in service of that bigger vision that we talked about before. Yeah. Yeah, good, mate. Now, I know that you and I both need to run off to meetings that we're going to be a couple of minutes late to already. <laughs> <laughs> Quick summary. So if I'm to summarize this, it's like stop running away from motion.
0: Start leaning into it. Start harnessing it. Use that emotion to create a very compelling vision. Get underneath that vision, create a sense of purpose, a sense of urgency that gets you to take the first step that leads to the second step that gets you into movement. Because once you've got movement, you've got momentum. and once a body is in motion, it generally stays in motion. So mm.
1: start with the vision, put money in its place. Worry about goals later on. Yeah, spot on. And just remember that this is it's a skill. Like it's an evolving conversation that you're having with yourself that needs to be revisited and revised with time. Yeah, Being able to tap into emotion and, and not run from it, but use it as a, as a tool and creating that compelling vision. So it's about creating a dialogue with yourself and I guess associating the right meaning with it so that it's worthwhile working towards. Um, awesome, mate. Great chat. Good to see you. Good to be back on here. Uh, we better get into our meetings now and we'll chat to you guys in the next episode. Hey, before you take off, I'd love to ask you something. Are you getting value from our content? If you are and you'd love to show us your appreciation,
0: there are three simple ways you can do it. Number one, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Number two, rate and review. And number three, share this episode with someone you know who'll get value from it. Now, these might feel like small gestures for you, but they're actually big levers for us. By doing this, you'll allow us to continue bringing you world-class guests, create more content that's relevant for you, and reach more legends just like you. So if you're the kind of person who loves to give value for value, just choose one or all of those actions. Subscribe, rate and review, or share this episode. Many thanks in advance.